Ever dreamt of quitting your job and traveling the world? Like most people, we did too, and even tried it out. We're sharing our journey with a podcast and a blog. Welcome to Live Let Rome, a travel podcast. I'm Christy. And this is Eric. Join us on our travel adventures as we look to educate and inspire you to travel more and get the most out of each travel experience. Welcome to episode 24. On this episode of Live Let Rome, we want to talk about the real aspects of travel fatigue and how we adjusted our life plans for Live Let Rome. Also, we're going to review some budget recaps for the past six months of our journey. Before starting this journey, when Christy and I would come across someone traveling for an extended period of time or even living abroad, whether it be in person or on social media or other outlets, it raised many questions. And we wanted to take a moment to dive into some of those questions that often come up in the steps we took to adjust our plans. Like, what is the reality of being on the road with no home base for months at a time? Or how did we even adjust in the moment or throughout the traveling process? And what's next up for Live Let Rome? All right, guys, strap in and get ready for... Whoa, and... Madame Explorers! From Rome with Love. Here are some quick facts about our past six months of travel, March through August. Distance that we've covered is just around halfway around the world. We traveled through 10 countries, 24 cities. Distance traveled around 12,483 miles, equivalent to 20,000 kilometers. All right. And based on our $40,000 a year budget that we had planned, we were 29% under that budget. That's a savings of almost $6,000. The big part of those savings are through Chase credits. So for the six months time, there was $2,300. We also saved a lot of funds during our transition times by getting in some quality family time, which totaled about three and a half weeks of our six-month journey. If you want more detail on how we even came up with the $40,000 a year budget and some other savings tips, check out our Episode 9, Dr. Go's Secret Budget Plan. You look surprised. I thought you were expecting me. So you're Madam Explorer. (laughs) My friends call me X. Mine call me Dr. Go. I'm going to kick off explaining what travel fatigue is. I didn't come up with this definition. I got this definition from a littleadrift.com, and I think they did a really great job of putting it in real words that make sense. Travel fatigue is a total exhaustion caused by too many days or weeks of constantly being on alert while you travel. It manifests as apathy toward travel activities that usually excite you, and a lack of motivation to enjoy local culture and cuisine. Wow, was it really that bad for us? Did we have travel fatigue? I'm sure people are crying in their bed for us and our poor life, right? The fact is, though, after six months on the road, you do miss certain things. You do have fatigue. And we want to talk a little bit about what the reality is of being on the road with no home base for months at a time. We created umbrella categories. We're going to start with number one, creature comforts. What are those things that you miss the most day to day, week to week? For me, I'll start off with the bed. At home, we have a gel spring mattress and one of those nice mattresses, and it's comfortable as heck. 
And when you're going Airbnb to Airbnb, you don't know what you're going to get. Some beds were fine and good, and others weren't so nice. For me, when I think about creature comforts, I'm thinking about the things that you build your nest around. We build our huts the way we like it, the design where we like it, and all the fun stuff. And yes, the bed was one of those creature comforts because in that gel spring, I can't feel when you're twisting and turning in the middle of the night. There was a couple mattresses on our stay that probably wasn't the most pleasant, but you learned to kind of manage and deal through. That's something that you're going to miss, definitely, on the road. and something you experience every single day. What I miss is I like to cook. I have my kitchen. Just the kitchen utensils are always different or missing, or you don't know where they're at. Another thing, my coffee one cup or over. I use it. I have a little ritual in the morning. I make my coffee one cup. Tastes really good. On the road, yeah, I'd go out and buy coffee, cappuccino, or espresso at a store. But I had to make use with these European mocha pots, which I got good at it towards the end, but they're on the stovetop, they're a little messy. It's just not the same. The other thing I missed is just the stuffed animal I had from home. I mean, it's really not an essential thing to pack in the bag, but it's comfort. I would call it my Linus blanket, I guess, if you want to think of Snoopy and Charlie Brown. And then most of all, what I miss would be my sewing machine. I love to sew and create some course of artistic outlet. And for me, sewing was a big part of that. And especially, it's a practical skill. So when I'm on the road and I'm thinking, oh, this shirt's not working for me. I wish I had no sleeves or that. At home, I will go ahead and do it. So that's something I really did miss. And certainly the close connections with family and friends day to day. Thank goodness for technology. It does make it much easier to stay connected. But it's not the same as being with family and friends day to day. Again, you have to adjust those creature comforts. And you also learn when we go back and travel again, oh, maybe I'll bring that thing, or maybe you'll bring a little sewing kit. So it's things that you can do in the future. I want to jump into the next umbrella category to talk about, and that was focused around time and space. Now, I'm sure nobody wants to hear us cry in our pillow about how it must be so hard to be on the road, but time is a real aspect of being on the road on how do we actually deal with it. Do you even get bored? And what does that even look like? You know, I actually flipped this one as more of a positive than a negative. For me, time and space really was a positive here. For me, I was never bored on the road. I was constantly challenged, constantly learning new things, whether it be from cooking techniques or languages or maps and navigation things, which I don't do great. Those are the things that really just, the days just flew by and the time really went fast in a good way. In my case, I was challenged And there really wasn't much dislike here. You had a different opinion on time and space. Part of going into this category is really focusing on how we choose to spend our time. When you're thinking of how we spent the first part of our time, we're thinking of a typical vacation. You know, we got to hurry up and do all these things. We're here, go to the next city. And that's where a lot of the points of friction came in the early parts of our traveling was we're figuring we had to do all these things and we're missing out or if we're spending too long in one spot and too long was maybe three days in Bilbao. When we let it fully settle in, and I think it was about a month into the journey where we really had to say, we got to Catania and we said, okay, this is what makes sense. We have two weeks here. We have to change our brainwave of thought and stop thinking about 
all the things that I have to do in a certain amount of time, but realize what do you want to gain from this trip and really appreciate the moments around you. And that's where a lot of my likes came out of it. I love being in new places. I like the idea of starting fresh as stressful as it was trying to figure out a new transit system or a new location. It was also like opening a new book to a great story that I really wanted to focus on. The other thing that I really loved about the aspect was the people watching and absorbing both the verbal and the different body languages of each different culture. Last thing I'll just round this category out is I know when we first started, we wanted to cram as many cities and countries in up front to learn as much as we could, right? We wanted to test out Turkey. We wanted to test out Spain. We wanted to test out parts of Italy. Doing it again, though, I would definitely lean more to the two-week minimum, one month. If you have the time and space, do it. I think a lot of that is changing our focus on what is a long time. And honestly, even spending extended times, two weeks is still a relatively short time in the span of thinking about your own home base. So two weeks is a blink of an eye. Oh my God, I can't wait till this thing comes up. I only have two weeks left. And changing that thought process for us. And I think we continue to grow and learn about what that definition is. So next is health and well-being. Now in this category, I'm again going to flip this as a positive. The short-term travel could actually be stressful, right? If you're constantly moving, elevated stress levels, elevated discomforts, lack of sleep. But in our case, I actually got more walking and more exercise I think I did in those last six months than I did the six previous years of my life. For me, I actually lost a little weight. I felt controlled. I felt good mentally. So for me, I thought all the travel was positive. I think the whole thing about the health and well-being, I think of it as generally more positive. I don't think of it as a negative. I think about those 1800s or early 1900s where the doctors would prescribe you, uh, you need to go to a drier climate and on the seashore for moist air. And I miss that. We need to prescribe that more in our life. And I think especially in the U.S., we're focusing on such little time where we're often fighting for a long weekend off that we don't really have that time to appreciate. And our bodies are on that alert status. So retraining some of those ideas and benefits that we definitely saw, like you explained the walking, that you didn't even I don't think you withheld any food. Now, I'm saying that you're not a glutton, but you enjoyed a lot of different food and you end up losing weight, even in Sicily. Yeah, no, it's true. The bread was so good. And and maybe there's something to do with the type of ingredients that they cook with, because we can clearly taste the difference in food during the travel and after the travel. You can maybe afford to eat a little bit more, a little bit more bread and carbs. You're walking a lot. Now, One other thing was if you look for medications, I know we've talked about in previous episodes, they're like pennies on the dollar compared to the states. Places we save tons of money. Before I want to talk about the medications, I wanted to have a last couple bits about the food. The food, I know it felt cleaner overall. We talk about the quality of food, and this is something that is often talked about between the quality of the food in the United States and the quality of the food in other countries in Europe. And I think a big part of that is the processing aspect. You have more whole foods, less processing, and more access to affordable versions of all that from the sake of 
buying fresh bread every morning for less than a dollar to buying even a single fresh farm egg, which was your favorite deal. Oh, to I love the egg lady in Albania in Tarania. You go, you could buy one or two eggs for like a penny each or something. It was great. And they're farm fresh eggs. The bread was like 30 cents. Like you can get breakfast for under $2.00. Cook it at home and it tastes wonderful. And that's an important aspect that I wish for the States more is less food deserts and more accessibility to healthier options and less processing. In terms of the medication aspect, for me, I take regular medication. And in the States, the healthcare industry is just out of control. And for me, it's thousands and thousands of dollars if I pay out of pocket. And it's a fraction of what that would be overseas. Did you miss the drug commercials, the constant drug commercials that aren't played in Europe? They were, Some of them are pretty catchy, I'll be honest. They, the jingles of the drug commercials, <laughs> I compare that to the Euro pop hits. Oh, that's right. Overseas. I would say... That's a pretty good comparison. The, the medication jingles is to pop singles in Europe. That's pretty good. I would agree. Yeah. So wrapping it up, a couple things that we wanted to focus on was the reality is that you're going to miss on some of those creature comforts. That's an aspect of that. You're just trying to figure out what are some ways to go beyond that. Some ways that we thought of was spending a longer time in those destinations. Any ideas that you had about to help with creature comforts? Bring those essential things from home with you. If you know you really like your coffee and you have a way of making it, bring that device with you or a sewing kit. Or we even talked about bringing a little small food pantry with us next time with the spices that we like. Little things can bring those comforts with you, whether it be a pillowcase or a little stuffed animal, whatever that is. But bring those comforts with you. If not, buy them on the road. For me, the the positives clearly outweighed the negatives 90 to 10. I think that positives that we really got that was a shining positive was that health and well-being aspect of you're in a different place so you kind of run yourself a different way but what is stopping you from running that way when you're at home and I know part of that has become accessibility to certain things where things you can do every day and adopt from that travel maybe eating less processed foods bring some of these habits back we cook a little bit differently now going on your daily walk It's kind of incorporating some of these activities that you think of as vacation activities in your everyday life to improve the overall well-being. Like the lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. Metamex behave. We'll do this again some other time. Do what? Last time you said that, you went off to Atlanta. I haven't seen you for six months. question that we wanted to answer we're focusing on what adjustments do we make to our schedules and routines in our first question we talked about what was it actually like and what this i want to focus on was what are some of the things that we did to switch it up and to change that feeling in us well one of the things is not having the regular nine to five grind means that you can adjust and wake up when you want to And that was nice. And some mornings I did wake up crack of dawn or go out and take a walk. You could sleep in the 10. You can wake up when you want to wake up. And that obviously is a wonderful feeling. Only on travel days or I did consulting when I was traveling. It was only on those days that I had to abide by a schedule. But it was still not too difficult because maybe once or a couple days a week, 
you just know you had to wake up by nine or 10 some mornings, not a big deal. I would add on to that, like when you're thinking about time, typically when we go on our travels and vacations, we are focused on being at a place at a certain time. Sometimes we get too focused on the time and less about the experience. And what we learned a lot of those adjustments is you don't have to feel bad. I don't have an appointment at eight o'clock, so I don't have to wake up at 7.02 on the dot and have my hair done and all these things. Yeah. And adjusting again from that nine to five to the consulting work was at first tricky, but I really got the hang of it, especially the last four months. The work increased. It was nice. It gave me a sense of grounding, a sense of purpose with work. I would advise if you can find a side hustle you could take on the road with you, it is a good thing, especially if you're transitioning out of many years of nine to five type work. The other thing is just walking everywhere. We already talked about this. Actually, another one that I'd like to do is just talking about not worrying about general maintenance of your home or car or your apartment. Again, a great adjustment. Time that you spend thinking about your car or your home or the maintenance and bills like that, it really absorbs a lot of your free time. But on the road, it's an Airbnb and you're walking everywhere. And I think what we're focusing is, yes, you still have some bills, but in terms of if we don't have our apartment, we therefore don't have rent or Wi-Fi or whatever kind of thing, of power, all those things. Gas in the car, insurance in the car. The extras that come with just living in your own apartment or home. And not only that, like deep cleaning of the home, if you're only in the home for two weeks, granted, you clean the Airbnb before you leave, scrubbing the floor. It's just less maintenance. This is definitely a positive, believe me. And the more stuff you have, obviously, the more stuff you have to clean or take care of or throw away or find a place for it. And if you don't have but a backpack and a a wheel bag, there's not much stuff you have. So less stuff to deal with. So anyway, those are some of my adjustments. Again, I would say most of them positive. Of course, a few things I missed. We mentioned that. But again, a 90 positive, 10% negative for me. We mentioned in the first part, it took us about a month a month and change to kind of start adjusting to the time schedule. And what we did is we sat down and we communicated what we individually needed to adjust because what I needed was a little bit different than what Eric needed. In a new place, when I get to a new location, I need a nap after checking in. Don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to run around. Don't ask me to do that. Give me food. Give me water. Whatever that case, I need a nap. Eric, He loves running around, walking the streets, finding everything. Well, when I get to a place, I've learned this a long time ago. I like to, in a very unstructured way, do like a circle around where your new hotel or your new Airbnb is around the blocks. You know, I don't lose where I'm at, so I can't get lost. Keep careful track. Oh, you You can get lost. Well, I I haven't. I haven't yet on this strategy because I just stay close to the place, but I do like a circle around the blocks. What I'm doing, I'm looking for, okay, where's, is there a drugstore nearby? Is there a restaurant that looks good or bar? I might stop in and get a beer or it just gives you a flavor for the place while you're sleeping. And then when I come back, I already have a place picked out for dinner or maybe not that night, but the next night or, oh yeah, we wanted something from the drugstore. Oh, I could pick that up while I'm walking around. So it gives me a little exercise. It gets an orientation for me. So when we first walk out, I I already know where generally a few things are. I love it. Keep doing that. I'll figure that out after my nap. 
<laughs> Another thing that we reviewed is how long we were in an area and what each of us wanted to make an important part of that visit. So I know a lot of those art and cultures and those nature moments are something I want from this trip. And Eric loves his food moments and maybe some destination places to go. We have to figure out how does that come together. And in terms of feeling like we accomplished something in the trip, if I have a little something and he has a little bit something, then we both feel like that we had a successful trip together and it's not one-sided one way or the other. Yeah, what's great is that you don't have the time pressure. If you're there for two, three, four weeks, you're going to hit the major sites. That checklist almost creates itself for you. Here's the six things to see in Zaragoza, right? Must see. You're good. And it takes the time pressure. You're going to hit all six things probably in the first week. And then you can go back to the ones that you like the most. It's about balancing that time and choosing what order you see them in. That strategy applies not just for being an extended time. This can apply for your week's vacation or four or five days. If you're traveling with somebody and you both have things to do, instead of trying to do everything one person wants to do, just make sure that you're meeting together in the middle and you're having that compromise of, hey, I want to do this. You want to do this. We both want to do this. Let's get a little bit. That way you're having a fulfilling experience either way. Yeah. Fortunately, we like a lot of the same things, so it's not, we don't get into too many arguments around it, but I can see how you want to try to enjoy those things together. But if you if you take a night out by yourself or a walk by yourself, it's okay too. Also, another thing that we learned to do was set pure down days, meaning we're not doing anything. We do nothing. We're doing kind of what we would do at home. You just chill. You maybe watch some TV, maybe go to the park. It's nothing that has to be momentous. A lot of times we figure out that we have to have all these Instagrammable moments, but sometimes it's just about being able to enjoy your life. And some of those days, that's what we would do our podcast, make it a work day, or just veg out on some streaming service like The Mandalorian. I love it. Yeah, and you still run into, even on those down days, you still wander in some interesting characters or sites too, which is fun. Another recommendation I would make if you're planning on an extended travel is we planned our trip in chunks, meaning when we started, instead of worrying, hey, I'm going to be out for three to four months and I'm planning every day of three to four months, maybe you're planning the first two locations, the first three weeks, and then you're letting the winds take you on where you want to be. And some of that you can balance with, hey, I know I'm going to be in a general region, but I don't wait to book my places. It's leaving a little room for flexibilities. If you do your research in advance on what off-season and prices is, it's less stressful and it works for you. And then you feel the opportunity to just enjoy the place that you are in. Yeah, a little tip here on Google Flights. You can put in a date and you could put anywhere. You'll see a flight for like 19 euros. And you're like, love that because you just see where the cheapest flight is. So it's actually a money-saving tip. So not only you get the adventure, but you can actually save some money. Check it out. It's good to have some structure, but some unstructure is also really fun and rewarding. Yeah, you can experiment with both, and you can do this on bigger or larger scales. But it's, I mean, it's kind of exciting to say, and I think this is what we did in Turkey, is we didn't know what our jumping-off point, and we figured out through 
transportation and air for that it was Bulgaria and Czechia after that. But that was because the price and all these fun things. But it was not something that we had exactly to the button on what we wanted to do. And one other big lesson is if you do plan to go back to the States or back home, have your exit path or your city figured out. And that helps you plan around that too. So for us, it was Vienna on the exit. And that's kind of led us back. So all roads led back to Vienna. And we weren't going away from it because we got a great deal. I think we paid $15 for points for that flight home. That's just another have your exit plan if, if you are planning on going home. So what's next for Live Let Rome? Live Let Rome is all about that passion for travel, learning, and exploring on your own terms. And with our journey, we learned we needed some grounding elements such as a home base for our overall well-being. Some thoughts we had were to continue to explore close to home and carry the travel attitude with you every single day. We think daily about going back on the road full-time, knowing that someday we will make that happen again. Absolutely. Know that at least six months on the road seems like a good amount of balance for time to travel abroad. We will continue to share our adventures and knowledge with those who aspire to learn and try new things. Future episodes will cover anything from road trips, hometown favorites, along with our further explorations of the world. We also have a series coming up on our trips exploring Mexico, from Mexico City to Playa del Carmen. I hope you're not disappointed. I will tell you in the morning. Wrapping it up, what have we learned today? I got a quote from our 1957 Reader's Digest. Life is what happens to us when we are making other plans. And travel fatigue is a real part of traveling, whether it's slow or fast travel. Learn from those moments that cause you discomfort or stress and adjust and turn those actions for positive outcomes for your health and well-being. Okay, remember to set specific times for yourself and not for what you feel you're supposed to be doing, achieving, or broadcasting on social media. For us, we felt like six months was a good amount of time to travel and then to come home for a break. Our next few episodes will be focusing on our journey from Mexico City to Playa del Carmen. Remember, our goal is to educate and inspire you to take your next adventure near or far. So what what are you you waiting waiting for? Thank you for tuning in to Live Let Rome. Visit our website for more to see and read at liveletrome.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Simply search Live Let Rome. Our podcast is free wherever you listen. Be sure to subscribe. To support Live Let Rome, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Feel free to drop us an email at liveletrome at gmail.com and include your show questions, recommendations, or to share your travel adventures. So until next time, get out and roam.